Hi, and welcome to The Fertility Warriors. Here at Fertility Warriors HQ, we believe in three things, grace, grit, and gratitude. We don't believe you have to be perfect to fall pregnant, but we do believe that you need to place yourself and your well-being at the top of your priority list. I'm your host, Robin Birkin. For some people, trying to conceive is a cakewalk. I was not one of those people. My journey was years in the making and included IUIs, IVF and a miscarriage, as well as many, many tears before we fell pregnant with our first child. Now I'm the author of the book, Screw Infertility, and the founder of a 12-week mind-body fertility program, the Fertility Warrior Intensive. I'm here to help you not only navigate these waters, but to help you feel like a badass in the process. My superpower? Helping Taipei women find calm, confidence and happiness in their journey. I'm a little woo-woo, a lot straight shooter, and I swear like a sailor. Sorry, mom. I've never turned down a bowl of mashed potato, and if you like salt and pepper, mm, I think we'll get along just fine. So hit that subscribe button and tune in for tips, advice, and real talk every week. I promise you, I'm not daggy. Okay, maybe a lot daggy, but subscribe anyway. Enough small talk, let's do this thing. Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors. I've feel like you can hear the excitement in my voice at my guest today because it's coming up to a year and a half that I've been wanting to get Emma on the podcast and we've made it happen and Emma has so much wisdom and tidbits to share and sometimes when I select titles for podcasts I feel like we touch on so many things that it's actually really hard for me to narrow it down into a title. So regardless of what today's title is, I want you to just tune into the end because Emma's going to share her story with you. And Emma and I have been friends. I don't even, I don't even know what year it was, maybe like 2015. It was. Yeah. It was 2015. And I coordinated a charity book project along with a lady called Sonia and all of a sudden Emma had a big oh fuck moment in her life and that was kind of how I got to know Emma but also at the start of a really challenging time in Emma's life and I don't know what it is but so many people in the project that we worked on have you know we've kind of drifted apart but Emma and I have always well I feel anyway I'll give you a chance to speak in just a minute but I've always felt like we just we both get it and like I had my fertility journey it was all very fresh and then we were trying to have Olivia whilst Emma was navigating her journey and we just always got it about giving each other grace and honoring and validating the shitty time that we were going through so I'm thrilled to have you here on the podcast Emma and for us to learn a little bit more about your journey. Wow, what an intro. Thank you so much. Yeah, I totally agree with what you were saying. And I think the reason why we kind of clicked because I felt like we were both very authentic with what we were going through while still keeping some parts private, but being able to share the journey. So basically, if you want me to sort of 
give a background? Yeah. Or? So, so you all will know that last week we talked with Bella from Studio Fertility and towards the end of Bella's journey, she told us about some of her journey with breast cancer. And that was the third episode that we've actually talked about cancer. I did a podcast oh, way back, like one of the first podcast episodes that I ever did was about fertility and cancer. Another episode that I did was with the incredible Kiara Hand, and she went through a journey with bowel cancer. And it, fertility and cancer are so similar in so many ways, but also interlink in so many ways. And also, can I just tell you all, Emma is the badass Pilates instructor within the Fertility Warrior Intensive Program. So Emma is quite possibly the best Pilates instructor in Australia. Uh, she also does private lessons if anyone's interested. But before I stop hogging the microphone, in the Fertility Warrior Intensive, we it's not just some lessons on stress and fertility. It's like there's yoga with Darian Mini, there's Pilates with Emma, and it's pre-recorded. You can do it whenever you want, but it's Emma especially created this for women who were fertility warriors who were struggling with anxiety. So this is, you know, what Emma provides to us. But Emma is now going to be our fourth episode where we touch base on cancer. And we're going to chat a lot today about navigating the conventional treatment that sometimes we need to have alongside the natural holistic methods. And Emma will tell us, but she's also sort of got training in this as well. So I'm going to stop hogging the microphone now and get you to talk to us about your journey. Okay. Um, where to start? Okay. So obviously, um, if I just give a bit of background about my cancer journey. So it was two weeks before Christmas. So December, 2015, when I heard the words that everyone pretty much dreads, you have cancer. I was in quite a bit of denial previous to that, even though I had been unwell for some time. Um, it turned out that I actually had an aggressive form of Hodgkin's lymphoma that was basically eating me away. I um, lost so much weight. I was down to 37.5 kilos. Um, yeah, I couldn't even fit into adult sizing clothes. I had to shop in the kids section. I was losing weight rapidly and that's because Hodgkin's actually attacks the metabolism. So basically you're burning off more than what you can get in with food. Um, and I was basically told that it was stage three and we would start chemo in January, 2016. So how so many that, weeks was that after? Um, so that would have been about so two weeks, three, almost like a month after I was diagnosed. And the re I don't know why they do that. Um, I felt like it was a saving grace for me because I could kind of wrap my head around things and get a few things implemented which as we're going to touch on in a little bit later is me meshing the what I like to call complementary therapies with conventional treatment. So it allowed me enough time to do that, to wrap my head around things and to try and enjoy Christmas and New Year's as much as I could, which basically meant I napped for four hours a day and tried mm. to get five meals in to try and keep my weight on. 
Um, what was that so like? When, the moment that the doctor said you have cancer, what? I, I was so much in denial that in the pre-diagnostic stage, so you go in for your appointments and it's actually, it was at the cancer centre. I could not wrap my head around that. I would have panic attacks in the waiting room because I'm like, I don't understand why I'm here. I don't have cancer, don't they know? I was convinced I had whooping cough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they actually, it's fun. So when you go in for your appointments, they take all your ops. So they do your weight, your blood pressure, your heart rate, your temperature. Mm-hmm. Every single time I'd go in there, they'd be like, okay, your weight's gone down. Your weight's gone down. I'd walk back into the waiting room for my mum and I'd say, there's something wrong with their scales. <laughs> it's not possible. Um, yeah, I was just getting sicker and sicker and I'd go and see the specialist and she'd just touch base. We were, I had a little bit of a lapse with um, actually getting diagnosed because there was a bit of a kerfuffle at the hospital um, trying to get That's my... That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit ridiculous. It got to the point where my hematologist um, actually rang some of the specialists that were arguing over who was going to do the biopsy surgery and said, you need to pull your finger out. She is losing weight rapidly and she's getting worse. Um, so once they figured out which section of the specialists were actually going to do my biopsy, the hard part was my um, lump that they were going to biopsy was in my neck and it was near like major arteries and um, nerves. And so that was the concern. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was actually in denial. So when we first walked into that appointment where I found out I had cancer, I sat down and she's like, okay, so it looks like you did have whooping cough. And I was kind of sitting there going, well, see, told you. And then she goes, but "But unfortunately, you also have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And nothing can describe that feeling. It's kind of like I left my body. Like Mm -hmm. I, I can still see myself sitting in that room, tears flowing down into my lap as I hugged my water bottle, just thinking, I'm going to die like Mm. you know that is the sort of the thing we think about right when we hear the word cancer we ultimately think that person you know it's a death sentence um so very early on I decided that my mindset was going to be different so from that point on I decided for the longest time that we were not going to refer to it as my cancer Mm -hmm. it was my imbalance because I didn't want and that's probably a podcast for another day, but mindset and words matter. Like they really, really do matter. And I think particularly with like fertility and cancer journeys, our wording is really powerful. So I would call my cancer my imbalance. So how can I get my body back into balance? While also still realizing that it was an aggressive form of cancer and I didn't have time just to purely do the complementary therapies. I needed conventional as well. I would also like send my tumors love. Like I was never a proponent for, I don't know what it's like in the fertility world, but in the cancer world, a really popular hashtag is like, if I can swear, (laughs) cancer, right? Like you see it everywhere. You see it on mugs, you see it on key rings, you see it like on Instagram posts. I have never once used that phrase. I just didn't want that associated. Like I wanted a more peaceful approach. Yep. Um, basically to healing myself mm-hmm. so yeah. so it's like a different energy really yeah 
So we met. So I know that you were like, I don't want to say the word wellness warrior, but we we were like this whole cookbook project, which was where we first became part of a group together, was put together by wellness warriors in support of domestic violence yes. in Australia. And so Sonia, the lady who put it together, was she was like a big wellness person and she got together the people within Australia who were in that. So I had in my past life this vegan food blog. That's so how we met. <laughs> yes. And yes. so you so you had yours as part of I guess kind of like a general wellness brand, was it? Or part, yeah. as part of your um like Pilates? Um so I was a vegan for six years, um yeah. pretty much before being diagnosed with cancer. Um and during that time I'd also studied to be a holistic health coach mm-hmm. with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and then moved on to do my food and spirit practitioner course with Deanna Minnick and that was like such a beautiful course and I felt like it was so integral to my healing it sort of helped um but basically I was just as I was sort of starting to become unwell um I was getting into private um health coaching sessions yeah um and then that all kind of went on the wayside. My Pilates instructor training actually came in after my cancer journey. So it was my part of healing. It was the way for me to get my strength back so I could actually do my other part of my job, which is remedial massage therapist. So you went into this with this, I hate saying it, like wellness warrior thing. Were you like, what the fuck? I'm healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And if I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, you are the last person I thought would get cancer. Like I had been seeing naturopaths on and off for 24 years. I'd be doing, I had, you know, um, been using low-tox products everywhere in my home, on my body and my hair, like all these sorts of things. I was more worried about the people that I cared for getting cancer than I was myself because I thought I was checking off all those boxes. I was working out regularly. I was eating healthy, you know, all the sort of things that you're meant to do to ensure that I didn't get cancer. Um, And so it was, yeah, it was definitely a what the fuck moment when I was diagnosed, but it also made me realize that being a control freak, this is hard for me to say, but not everything is under our control. Some things are outside of our control, but the way we react to them is within our control. A hundred percent. And so I mean, it's the same with me and my journey. I was like so healthy. What the Mm. heck was going on? And then, you know, we think this, we're like, what the heck? The crackhead down the corner <laughs> is perfectly fine. Yeah. They're like just trashing their body. And here I am being this person who's doing all the things. Yeah. And it's like all hell in a handbasket. And then I know that you have the stories. Like, it's the same with infertility. You have all the people being like, well, why don't you just try, I don't know, lemons? <laughs> Frozen lemon um, myth, yes. Um, did you know that um, consuming frozen lemons is like 10,000 times more powerful than chemo? Um, yes, I had that one. I had um, different juice fasts. I had people private message me, people coming up to me in the street telling me 
that chemo kills like and all this like horrible things while you're going through the most traumatic uh, experience of your life and yeah it's definitely um given me an insight into what people think is appropriate to say to another person Mm -hmm. and it's you know and I know that it's probably a shock I know both cancer and fertility, people don't know what to say. So they try and fill out the silence with something and it's not always the best thing to say. So out of it, like my whole philosophy now is when someone talks to me about something that is awkward, that is uncomfortable, that can be traumatic, is what I'm about to say, is it helpful or is it hurtful? What would I want said to me? And I feel like that's a really um, important Um, thing to take on you know with any sort of conversation that is like that including fertility so I remember you saying to me at one point that the only thing you could stomach after chemotherapy was like a hot chips yeah yeah yes my it was so brilliant so um, my cancer naturopath who is a living angel she's absolutely amazing she said this is the only time you're going to hear me say this This is as I was sort of, I started seeing her just before I started chemo so I could start prepping, right? Mm. Um, And she said, I want you to have on hand some chips ready to go in the freezer. So after chemo, you cook them up, you eat them. She said, trust me. It's, she said, I don't know why it works, but it's really, really good for chemo nausea. Mm. And it's true. I don't know whether it's the fat. I don't know whether it's the starch, but sometimes the only thing you can stomach is the not, that great food Mm. and like this comes down to I feel what I feel is the root of our conversation today it's that not everything has to be a hundred percent or black and white that you can be like you don't have to just see a fertility specialist or an oncologist you can also see and advocate for yourself in seeing yeah the other treatments but you and if you go you know whatever for in your whatever journey you're on if you go all organic you can sometimes still eat like it yeah there was a book I I feel like I mention this all the time there's a book by Jessica Alba called The Honest Life and I there's all I remember is one part of this book where she says something along the lines of you know what most days I just don't wear deodorant. I just don't wear it. But you best believe if I'm going to the Oscars, I'm going to have the hardcore shit under my arms. <laughs> like it's called the honest life. Yeah. And this is what I want you to impart your wisdom with us yeah. on. Because when we're in the infertility community, there is a lot of us are doing all of the things. Like mm. we're taking the courses, we're doing the things. I'm a huge advocate of like trying stuff out and seeing how it goes but in the cancer community I don't even think it's that common is it apparently not (laughs) I did not really realize I was such an anomaly and honestly my choice to uh, fuse the two together was so natural and I didn't even second guess it to me that just made sense right taking the best that we had with the complementary therapies and meshing it together with conventional to create this amazing integrative cancer approach. But, and I feel like they're, um, they're more 
accepting of this probably in other countries. I feel like Australia is a little bit behind. So the US is quite good at it. Europe is quite good at it. Um, Australia is still very black or white. It's either you, you know, you turn, and that's why people call them alternative therapies. And that's why I keep using the word complementary because I feel like it's so much nicer. It's not alternative. It's not that or that. It's like both together. They complement each other so well. Um, so it was just recently, um, I was looking at a post in one of the groups I'm in and somebody who's just starting their cancer journey asked if anyone took any supplements or saw a naturopath while getting treatment. And I shared my experience and what I decided to do for myself because it is a very individualized journey and you've got to pick what's best for you. I will say that. Um, and I was literally the only one that did. Um, everyone else who had tried to or tried to bring up their specialist um, was told no, not to which I can understand to a certain degree them wanting to caution anyone against um, reducing the efficacy of the chemo. You don't want to do that, right? So everyone that's saying boost your immune system and have plenty of antioxidants, it can actually have a detrimental effect when you're trying to squash the immune system down and you're trying to, you know, um, target the cancer cells by chemotherapy. Um, but there's so many other things that you can use the complementary therapies for, you know, for chemo nausea, um, because I went into chemical menopause, um, obviously osteoporosis was a concern. So um, I had supplements to help with that. Um, I had a supplementation that helped stop, um, stopped me from getting peripheral neuropathy which is nerve damage in your hands and your feet, which obviously is not what I want if I was going to continue being a remedial massage therapist and, you know, eventually a Pilates instructor. So there's all these things that I used my naturopath for. Plus, you know, your oncologist or if you've got blood cancer, your hematologist has only got a small window of time to address your concerns, to talk to you, to be with you, right? So... And I get it. It's a business is booming. It's a huge industry, unfortunately, yeah. but it is yeah. right. Um, and you know, we can't even speculate. There's so many different reasons why. So I found that my cancer naturopath, she was fully qualified. She worked with clients who were going through conventional treatment, which is like a checklist you want. If you're looking for, you know, a complementary um, therapist, you want to do your homework pretty much. If I can just segue quickly, you want to make sure they're fully accredited. You want to make sure they're well-versed in treating someone who is going through chemotherapy or radiation as well. So they know what supplements um, will work with that rather than sort of um, have any sort of effect on the chemotherapy. Um, and I just really lucked out with mine. It's doing your research, asking around, asking in groups, asking other naturopaths if they don't mind recommending someone, which is what I did because we've got a couple of mutual friends who are naturopaths. And I put the word out on my Facebook, you know, does anyone know um, a naturopath specialising in cancer? I think is a really important thing to look for as well. You know, a specialist, right? Um, and she really is an earth angel. And I really felt supported and heard and it just worked really well. But then I feel like 
I, I lucked out with my hematologist as well. Like I was very upfront. You've got to be upfront with your, your conventional therapist as well, what sort of complementary therapies you're doing, right? And that would be the same in the fertility space as well. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And even like a lot, of, a lot of people will do acupuncture and it's really important that you run that by your fertility specialist because the, a lot of the Chinese medicines that they'll give you can, if you're taking things that will massively change your hormones, can counteract that. Yes. That's not the plan. Yes. So then we have, you know, some same thing. Like sometimes there's naturopaths who, I don't know, rec- are try, trying to give you things that will increase your progesterone at the wrong time of the month and so it's not a matter of like don't do it but like just run it past everyone so everyone knows what's going on yes but having like 100% having these people in your corner other than just your conventional medical specialist can be a game changer yeah Uh, so what made you I mean, I feel like this is a pretty straightforward answer, but what made you feel, you know, we know some people recently who have opted for, you know, like hope for Mexico or and just these yeah. what made you Version. yeah, feel like, you know what, I'm I'm doing the conventional treatment and being okay with that. I was so sick. Mm. I knew I didn't. It was almost like my soul knew that I didn't have time to muck mm. around. Yeah, I think a big thing as well, and another one of my friends had mentioned it because we were both big followers of Jess Ainsco, oh, and yeah. she unfortunately yeah. lost her life a few years before I was diagnosed, and that really hit me hard. Um, mm-hmm. And it made me realise that um, for certain fast-growing cancers, I think going and I'll use the different word now alternatively may not be the best option but again like I say everybody has their right to choose their own journey Mm. for me I felt chemotherapy was my best bet at life yep it was it was that simple I waited up and when I did speak to my cancer naturopath and I said you know because there is that guilt being in that wellness space years before I'd always said I would never do chemo like you know I was like but I also had that kind of false assurance that I would never have to make that choice. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like the infertility space. You never think it's going to happen to you. So you kind of like, you know, you can make those statements. Yeah. I've just learned these days to never say never to anything ever. No, no. Never know. Yeah. And I think that's wisdom in that. And I think that is the blessing of going through something like that is you become so much more empathetic and open and, yeah, I was very narrow-minded back in my, you know, full-on vegan phase. <laughs> um, so, Where yeah, just, I asked, I remember asking my naturopath, I'm like, because I was just racked with guilt at the start. I'm like, do, am I doing the right thing? Even though, I don't know, there was some sort of intuition that told me I was. And she said, if you were my client previous to this and this was like a new diagnosis, I would 100% tell you to do chemo. Like, this yeah. is your best chance. And, again, it comes back to words like so when I first saw so it was a locum hematologist that told me I had Hodgkin she was absolutely amazing she was this firecracker and then my regular hematologist who I still see now five years on he is the most quiet 
um, soft-spoken, serious man. And when I finally got the staging and what we were going to do to move forward, I remember just like crying in the room and going, is it treatable? And God, I'm going to tear up just even saying this. And he said, no. And so can you imagine hearing that, right? Like I was just like, I think my whole mouth dropped open. And I just started crying even more. He goes, it is curable. And um, that, I took that with me the entire time. Like, you know, like, and you still have doubts and that's the whole authenticity of being a cancer thriver. Like you still have moments where, you know, you have those black dark shadows in your mind of what's going to happen in the future. But from that moment on, I thought, right, like I'm in the right hands. Like he had that amazing mindset. And even the way he talks to me now is always very positive. It's never in the negative. And I know that is a huge blessing with specialists as well. And I know others that haven't been blessed that way as well. And that's why I think both the external wording that you get told to you, plus the wording you tell yourself in your head, both really matter. Yeah. And I think like listening to you speak, I can relate to so much of what you say because there's a lot of, I see a lot of people who know deep down inside that perhaps IVF is their next option or donor conception is their next option or whatever it is. And number one, they've said, I would never do that before. Yeah. Number two, though, there are a lot of people like you, I think you really need to be commended for just following your intuition, taking that scary step and diving forward because there are a lot of people who will stay stuck. Yeah. And I mean, I guess for, like infertility has has a timeline or a deadline. You're, you were forced to just make that decision really quickly though. Yeah. Um, so medical stuff comes with feeling shitty, feeling nauseous, feeling pumped up, feeling really tired, navigating all of the fucked up things that happen alongside treatments, right? Yeah. What, what advice do you have in terms of giving yourself grace and trusting yourself to let go of the head fuck of what you think you should be doing and just practicing proper self-care? Oh, what advice? It what does it look like for you? You know, my life depended on it. So <laughs> I had no options. And maybe that's my advice. Like install self-care and self-worth and self-knowing in a way as if your life depended on it. Like, because it kind of does, right? Like everybody's, you know, everybody could have could max out their adrenals and go into a nervous breakdown. Like everyone's got the propensity. And I'm talking to us type A perfectionists and I was totally there before diagnosis. Like literally the day my GP rang me and because my ultrasound come back funky and she was like, I want you to go to the hospital for the CT scan. I'm like, yeah, I can't. I'm fully booked that day. I get it. Like I get it. But it's, it's, Little things. It doesn't have to be the big things. It doesn't have to be an hour workout. It doesn't have to be a bubble bath. It can be a five-minute cup of tea sitting outside on the grass in the sun and feeling the wind in your hair. Like that can be, it can be that 15-minute meditation 
that will totally change your mindset. Like mm. I'm a big proponent for meditation. Like I think it's absolutely amazing. I wish I would have been more regular with it when I was going through treatment. Mm. I was always the person that said I can't meditate and I feel like we're the ones that really need to. Um, mm. Yeah, just I think you can do it, even if it's like little facets, even if it's like going out for coffee with a friend, that self-care. Like it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to cost a fortune. Creating a homemade meal that tastes amazing with medicinal spices. And when I say medicinal spices, I mean your pantry is literally your medicine cabinet is amazing. Like you can do that. Having that piece of 95% dark lint chocolate is self-care. Like it's, yeah, it's whatever it looks like to you and it can be just a micro minute. Hey, Warrior, so sorry for interrupting, but I just wanted to jump in and see if you'd had the chance to check out my new little program, Warrior Rising. It's a five-day radical mood reset, and I'm sure that you will love it. Head to robinburkin.com slash rise to check out my new program, Warrior Rising. Okay, let's get back to the episode. So leaning into your story about chemo nausea and like hot chips for example does self-care to you also mean sometimes not even having the 95 percent chocolate having the freaking white chocolate with all the junk in it can i tell you a horrifying story like i still am horrified so my first cycle of chemo i remember going out with a friend and Take note that I have been vegan for six years, like, and I've been quite a healthy eater. And she just happened to mention something about sausage rolls. It was like somebody flipped a light switch inside my head and my mouth started watering. And I was like, I really need a sausage roll, like, now. And so for a week after that mention of sausage rolls, I'd have two sausage rolls a day with tomato sauce because I'm very Aussie. And it was the most amazing thing I had ever bought in my mouth. <laughs> ketchup for all my US. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you call it in the UK or anywhere else. Is it tomato? And do they have sausage rolls? Sausage rolls is like a, a meat mince wrapped up in puff pastry. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. Uh, well, it's not actually. <laughs> I haven't eaten one since, which is really weird. But I kind of feel like my body, so it was the first cycle of chemo. I was still quite skinny I was trying to put on weight and I feel like my body went you know what you know what is a fat bomb and full of like calories a sausage roll let's do that yeah and so that was like leaning into my intuition did I also eat healthy meals around those two sausage rolls a day yes I did (laughs) um but I listened to that and I started putting on weight and that was one thing that was really really good about doing complementary therapies and having my background in wellness and health was I didn't have to see the hospital dietitian. I was putting on weight steadily at each cycle, at each treatment, at each appointment in a way that felt right for me. So what was your, so I feel like I'm diving deep into sausage rolls, but what was your mind? Did you, were, did you feel guilty? What was the self-talk like when you had the sausage rolls or was this the, the work that you had done before to be like, you know what, I'm okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to subscribe to being perfect or being this way or that way. I'm just this. I'm going to tune into my inner critic and 
this like navigate this way how did you you know we all want to be in this place of doing whatever the fuck feels good yeah right but so many of us don't do that because there's the inner critic being like ah. oh I know it well and you know I was well versed in that whole thing there's no such well we can argue that but um, it's basically sometimes the stress of the bad food is worse than the actual food. Yep. And for me, <laughs> I don't know what it, those sausage rolls truly tasted so amazing. I really didn't care. <laughs> it reminds me of Eddie Murphy and he's like, oh my God, that's the best salt cracker I've ever had. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was so weird. And after that week and when I started putting on weight, it was like my jump start and I just started nourishing my body in other ways and once I got my energy up and could actually cook for myself because you know I was sleep I would sleep in I would get up for two hour periods I would under the guidance of my naturopath I'd have to have five meal five main meals a day which is a lot um plus snacks to try and put my weight back on and trying to offset that metabolic um deficit I guess um and so you know when you're napping so often getting all that food in can be quite difficult but once I sort of get started getting a pattern and this is what I really want to impart to people too is how empowering it is to take your health into your own hands and for me that meant like meal prepping so I didn't have that guilt over what I was eating because I knew 90% of the time I was eating really good food made from scratch from organic ingredients when I could manage it. Um, I pretty much do try and eat about 90% organic now and that's just a choice for me because I feel like my body's had so much chemicals in it. I need to kind of, you know, look after it in that way. But again, you know, if the best I can do is going to the farmer's market, farmer's market getting spray-free produce, if I can grow my own, if I can get the clean 15 and wash it properly from the supermarket I am not going to sort of beat myself up about it I think the cancer journey you know I was such a perfectionist I was so afraid of what I would I was orthorexic I will admit before I was diagnosed with cancer um I would never touch certain foods I would you know like and I think I'm a lot more balanced now like still 90% of what I eat I make myself from scratch but I will enjoy myself if I go out right like and I will like get little treats every now and then and things like that so I think giving ourselves grace to be human mm. um, which is what my integrative GP just reminded me of Emma you are human um, because we still and this is being totally um, authentic and honest you know I still struggle with it you know like I think you're not you're not human if you don't like it's 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 progress. Um, one of my favorite fitness mentors always says progress over perfection. And it's so true. And I think it's with any healing journey that, you know, because then if you're not like that and you're letting the stress dictate, that is so much worse on your body. Like we all know the cascading effects of stress both on, you know, like, um, and we've kind of drummed in as cancer patients to try and, you know, manage your stress as best you can, which is, and it's probably the same in the fertility world as well, which is very difficult when you're going through one of the most stressful times in your life. <laughs> it's like, you know, like it's very easy to say, and it's kind of a balancing act to do, but 
you do the best you can. What did managing your stress look like? Oh my gosh. I have been a regular meditator for over two years now. And it's something that I tell pretty much everyone about. Um, and twice I think a day. I about. <laughs> and twice a day. She's a better woman than most of us. Um, <laughs> it's a non-negotiable. We brush our teeth twice a day. Like I can get my meditation in twice a day, right? And I do extra when I'm sick or, you know, healing from something that's just, um, so basically I heard a podcast that mentioned a book called Stress Less, Accomplish More by Emily Fletcher. And yeah, have you got the book yet? It's absolutely amazing. It's really, really good. I got the Audible book and I like listened to it in like a day and a half. And from that moment on, I was meditating like twice a day. Um, and then I progressed onto the online course. But um, it's a big game changer. It's I tell my clients, it's like, you know, modern day life, we've got, think of your brain like a computer. You've got all those tabs open all the time. So it's your brain's not going to run effectively. Literally doing your twice a day meditation is a way of closing those browser tabs and just rebooting and um, just getting back to you. It's, it's like a delicious sleep. Like it's like this, yeah. like, yeah, it's just amazing. Um, and so managing stress to me, it looks like meditating twice a day. Mm -hmm. I try and move in some shape or form every day. Now, yeah. if I'm doing a fair bit of massage or if my energy levels aren't that great, then that may be just that and say it's like cleaning the house. Or I do try and do like Pilates or bar work or go for walks outside. Um, it's cuddling my cat who's a complete... Um, yeah, she's just an angel. She, she's I really didn't know which way that was going to go there. <laughs> she is a devil and an angel, but, yeah, she's yeah. an angel. <laughs> um, she's my best helper. In, she actually tells me now when I haven't meditated in the afternoon, she will, like, me out my feet until I sit down. So that's a good reminder. Um, yeah, it's catching up with friends. My love language is food. Like, that's my stress release. If I'm feeling stressed, I will get in the kitchen and I will bake or I will meal prep. To me, that's my way of um, contributing to my health. Um, and it kind of gives you an accomplishment at the end. So did you have a rock bottom moment on your journey? So many, <laughs> so many. Uh, when I was newly diagnosed, I had a massive panic attack. Actually, I had a couple of panic attacks. I had a panic attack when they were going to send me down to Cairns to get my biopsy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I said to the doctor there, I said, couldn't this mean something else? Like it doesn't have to mean cancer. And she just put her hand on my leg and she's like, no, I think you've got cancer. I had a massive panic attack in the hospital waiting room. I had, after I was officially diagnosed, I remember sitting on the couch at home and just sobbing to my mum saying, I just can't do this. I, I cannot do this. Like, I am not that person. I am not that strong. Like, I just cannot do this. Like, um, and as my psychologist told me, Later on, crying is a way of the body getting rid of excess stress. <laughs> and after the cry, I was like, okay, well, I have to do this. 
Um, everybody talks about, and it's the same with fertility warriors and stuff like, oh, you're so brave. I could never do that. You've got no option. You've got to do it, right? Like there's I'm no other choice. To it, but through it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had many rock bottom moments. I, it was both a blessing and a curse that my chemotherapy my body just soaked it up like a sponge. I had never had a lot of pharmaceuticals before. Like I never really took Panadol. I was, you know, so I think my body with chemo, it just went, and um, so it really rock bottomed my immune system. So I was constantly being hospitalized and because I had no immune system. So at one point my white blood cell count was 0.01. So I had no immune system. Um, and so that meant chemo's delayed. And so that's like, oh, it's another delay to getting back to like normal life, <laughs> which we'll have to discuss one other day because there is no such thing. Um, so, yeah, I had lots of rock bottom moments. I, I honestly did have moments where I thought I was going to die. Like, and I think anyone going through the same journey has had those as well. You have those nights. So after chemo, I found it was like the worst, the first three days. Like you don't sleep. You're so hopped up on steroids, um, massive night sweats, um, just horrible side effects, pain. Uh, oh, my gosh, bone-crushing pain. Um, wow. And you just yeah, you, you have those moments. And I think that's healthy. And I think that's something we've talked about as well is that toxic positivity that is around. And particularly I feel for cancer because it is such, and I thank you for like letting me speak quite openly and honestly in this forum as well. It's such an uncomfortable topic that nobody wants to hear about that sort of stuff because it's too confronting. Mm -hmm. And so as a cancer patient, you can feel like you've got to often pretend that everything is okay. You and know, like, like cancer, yeah. and <laughs> like beat this and this is going to happen, but you don't, the reality, which is yeah. fertility and which I talk about to people, it's not always a given, like, you know, mm -hmm. there's not always a guarantee. So, there are a lot of fertility warriors who are seeing lots of parallels in your story, and I know it, who are on medications and it might not be chemo, even though I know, I just know so many people who have had like fertility struggles that have then led to diagnosis of cancer. Yeah. But and it also happens the other way or it's happened that maybe husband has had cancer five years ago and now they want to build a family. Like it's just, they're just so interconnected. But there's lots of people maybe who are recovering in bed after an IVF transfer or hyperstimulation who are like, I feel pretty shit right now. There's a lot of people who feel like they are at that rock bottom moment. And I have had that moment of sobbing as yep. well and thinking I'm actually just not strong enough for this yeah. there's so many people who are at that rock bottom moment and I don't and I know that you feel the same way not everything happens for a reason <laughs> but, no. but what lessons have come from this journey that you've been able to 
take forward or what changes have you had in yourself? Having, you know, five years is like not a small deal now. And I, I'm sure that you would agree, like many fertility warriors would, you're not the same person. No, totally not. And you know what? That is okay. Mm. Like, I don't think I'd want to go back to old Emma, to be honest. There was so much that cancer gave me. Uh, you know, it took away a lot and it does, but it also gives you a lot. Um, you know, you tap into the good things in life so much easier. The little joys, like I remember the first time I went to the beach after my treatment because my treatment made me hyper sensitive to sun. So I had to sort of avoid that in final Queensland, which is quite hilarious. Um, the first time I went to the beach, the feel of the water on my legs, like the, the smell of the ocean. Um, I would go out for coffee in those moments when I could go out and I would be so, well, actually not coffee. I could not drink coffee. Surprisingly, I could not drink coffee. <laughs> I am such a coffee lover. I couldn't drink coffee. Um, when I'd go to catch ups with friends, when I was still going through active treatment, just being so grateful that I could, you know, I could get out of the house, um, being able to connect with someone, thanking the waitress for bringing my food. Like it was just, everything is so much more when you've been broken. Like it, it I, you know, it's kind of like that Japanese saying of the vase, you know, is stronger once it's broken and then um, put back together. That's what I feel with cancer. It broke me apart. And this new configuration of me now is totally different to what I was like. But, you know, I can deal with it. Like I can deal with anything. I know I can. Like my mindset when I'm working out, if I'm doing push-ups or planks, I'm like, you got through chemo, you can get through this. <laughs> I feel like, you know, when you are in the depths of treatment, whether it be fertility or cancer treatment or, you know, chronic it's illness or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Little bits, little steps forward. What can you manage? And then I would start to list my accomplishments. I got up today. I had a shower. I had a cup of Creo brew. Like there was like little moments. That was like my checklist of things that were amazing. Um, starting a gratitude journal is really, really important because you'll start to notice those little things. Like I would make myself list five things that I was grateful for. And it always come, came down to like really simple things that most people take for granted. Getting up out of bed having you know healthy food like food clean sheets I saw the sun today like <laughs> like there's all these sorts of things and I feel that's really important to sort of grab onto and hold when you're going through those moments when you know you don't know what the outcome is going to be and mm. let's face it none of us know what tomorrow is going to bring like it's it's you know it's you know and and that's again coming from someone who was such a perfectionist, I had to be in control of everything, mm. knowing that I couldn't be in control and that all I could focus on was that next point in time, that next minute. Um, that kind of took some of the stress out of it rather than projecting into the future. And I feel that probably parallels with like fertility treatment. Like what can you do for yourself in this moment right now? Mm. Like what are you grateful for right now? We've often got such an abundance 
in our lives at this point in time, but we're always looking forward or looking at what we don't have. And it's really important, yes, to still, you know, manifest that and go after what you want, but it's also to kind of have a little checklist of what you do have and to be really grateful for it because, you know, the things that we do have, someone else is wishing they had, yeah. you know. And I think that's with cancer, like those moments when I couldn't get up off the floor unassisted. I couldn't stand in the shower. I had to sit down. Then to being able to walk up a flight of stairs and not be in agony and a pain and puffed. So amazing. And I still, <laughs> you know, I go for a walk now. I do a workout. I'm like, look at my body. Like, look at what it can do because I remember what it couldn't do. And, and I think that's like that with any sort of health journey or health issue. Like our bodies are pretty amazing realistically. even if they feel like they're a little bit broken or they're not doing exactly what we want them to do at this point in time, every little thing that they do do is a miracle. And it's for what our bodies are like, our bodies want the best for us. Like whether whether it's that, you know, like we're just constantly ruminating on something, it's because our body is trying to stop us from making the same mistake again. Like, yes, whatever it is, it's our body. Like, if, if our body is triggering fight or flight, it's because our body is trying to protect us from a threat. Like, everything yeah. that our body is doing, it's trying to do in our best interest. Yes, yes. You yeah. know, even imbalances, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it made me stop and find the joy in life because I was so not focused on that previously. Yeah. Man, I could talk to you all day. Well, I talk to you a lot personally, but <laughs> we're going to start wrapping up today's podcast that you just said so much wisdom with us and just real and authentic and like navigating things one thing at a time and I'm going to give Emma the opportunity to chat about where you can find her but before she does I'm going to tell tell you about some of the things that Emma does so the majority of you will be in all sorts of places across the world but you can definitely connect with Emma on Instagram Emma shares on her Facebook page and her Instagram the funniest memes like she's my favorite meme person. Maybe you're just a kindred spirit of mine, but she also does things like private Pilates lessons. As you know, she's the Pilates instructor within the intensive. She's obviously a health food body spirit coach. And her specialty at the moment though, is for cancer thrivers and especially those who are wanting to navigate both the conventional treatment and the holistic treatment. But I will let you take over and let people know more about what you do, where they can find you before we do the speed round. (laughs) Beautiful. So where you can find me on Instagram, Instagram is probably my favourite platform, I will say. Um, It is empowered with underscore M. Um, and my website is empoweredwithm.com. So two very easy ones and a bit of a play on words with empowered because, you know, I feel that's the greatest gift is to empower ourselves with our own healing. Um, and so that's why I am creating this Cancer Thriver program. So basically it will bridge the gap between conventional treatment um, and everything you want to know 
when you're just starting your journey, pretty much like when you're confused, it's basically everything I wish I would have had access to when I was starting. It's like your cancer buddy. You have a chemo checklist on your website? Yeah, I've got a chemo checklist as my opt-in. So you can go to the website and sign up and get it downloaded. And so it's free. People can just put their email address in uh, and you've got a chemo checklist as someone who has been there and yes. does that. <laughs> yes. And nothing makes you feel more powerful than prepping for chemo. <laughs> it was like <laughs> one of my favorite things, which is really sad, but it was true. And, you know, because let's face it, what the hospital gives you is not exactly the ideal food, <laughs> not exactly yummy. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, so prepping for chemo is a really great way of getting yourself set up for your treatment to help give you some of your power back in a very powerless time. And it was fun to create and just um, some things that I basically did every session. Awesome. So, Emma, are you ready for the speed round? Yes, I am. And because I have chemo brain, I've got my answers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So do you have a book that you recommend everyone reads? Oh my gosh, I've got so many, but definitely Stress Less, Accomplish More by Emily Fletcher. I knew you Um, were going to say that (laughs) (laughs) Plus, there's just a couple that are cancer specific as well. Um, So Mind Over Medicine by Lisa Rankin, Radical Remission by Dr. Kelly Turner, and Dying to Be Me by Anita Mujani. And also, like, what was my food Bible back during the day was Rebecca Katz's The Cancer Fighting Kitchen Cookbook. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't have cancer, but if you're looking um, for healthy, wholesome recipes, that book is the bomb. You don't need cancer for that. And it even goes through all the healing elements of all the different spices as well. So it's really, really helpful. And the orange ginger roasted chicken is amazing. Okay. We will get a list of those for the show notes for anyone who wants to have a list of what those books are. Do you have a favourite quote or affirmation? Yes, and this shouldn't surprise you. It's from a 1980s movie. Okay, so (laughs) life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Ferris Ferris Bueller, you'll, you know, I'm sure that so many of us are like, yes, one of our movies. Um, <laughs> do you have like just a general life hack that everyone should know about? <sighs> okay, so we already talked about meditation, so we can skip that, but everyone should be meditating. Imagine how amazing the world would be if we all did. Um, using, and this is what we bonded over because I couldn't believe you did it too. <laughs> I got such flack from my friends. Oh, yeah, I cop shit about it all the time. <laughs> using Passata. Um, jars as water bottles like ditch the plastic water bottle you don't need those carcinogenic toxins leaching into your water reuse your Posada water bottles they're like 750 mils they're the perfect size they're nice and sturdy as your water bottle and cheap as chips so Posada for everyone in Australia you'll understand it for anyone who's not in Australia it's like a tomato like what you put tomato kind of tomato yeah but the the thing that gets me is number one that it's big but also it's a wide mouth. Yes, yes. It's like a 75 cents water bottle. That's yes. <laughs> Everybody yeah. get on it. Um, and you can have Hashtag more. us. <laughs> yes, tag us in your stories. We want to know if you jump on our trend. So far, we are the only two people that we know of that, you, that do it. And last 
of all, if you had one message that you could scream from the rooftops and let everyone know, what would it be? Oh my gosh, so, so important. Prioritise your mental health as much as your physical health. Love it. Thank you so much, Emma, for joining us on the podcast today. Love speaking with you always. And I know that regardless of what journey people are on, that you've shared so much wisdom with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Fertility Warriors. You know that I love chatting with you every single week. If you like this podcast, please make sure you go ahead and subscribe and share it with anyone, be it on your Instagram or your other socials to let them know that this has been helpful for you too and that it might be helpful for them. Please make sure also that you give us a five-star rating and I would love, love, love a review. They always make my day and they help other people find the podcast. So it kind of helps the search engine juices or the internet juices push this podcast out to other people when there are a number of ratings and reviews. And if you feel like infertility is starting to get the best of you and your emotions are starting to get a bit wonky, then make sure you check out my new mini program, Warrior Rising. Head to robinburkin.com slash rise and check it out. It's a five-day mini mindset transformation and it will definitely help pick up your mood, help you feel calmer and help you feel more in control of your journey. Head to robinburkin.com slash rise to find out more about my new program, Warrior Rising. Warrior Rising.